Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. All right, let's get in there and get it done. You know what I'm saying? Accept no prisoners or give no quarter. I'm not really sure what the appropriate phrase is there. Because really what we're just talking about is is reading some fiction. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Jim Heskett, and you are listening to the Thriller Fiction Podcast Season 3. And uh, we're doing Part 3, or Chapter 3, of Wounded Animals, read for you by William Kuhn. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes, you really should go back and listen to them because you've missed out on some stuff. But I'll give you a quick recap because I know it's been a couple days. Uh, so we met our hero, Tucker Candle. He went to a bar, and there was a mysterious guy there named Kareem who told him not to go on a business trip. Then the next day, Tucker went to work, and his boss told him he had to go on a business trip. Tucker tried to think of an excuse, and he couldn't come up with a very good one. So he decided he had to go He had to go on the business trip. He didn't have any choice. And so today's chapter, we're going to find him in Dallas on this business trip. And uh, so we're going to start to get to see what's going on there. If you like the story, go to jimheska.com forward slash books, and you can pick it up at super cheap. Um, also, if you're interested in free books, go to jimheska.com forward slash free, or you can also, if you want to win some stuff, go to jimheska.com forward slash contest, where I'm running a giveaway right now where you can win some cool prizes. I can't say exactly what those are, because I don't know when you're listening to this and my giveaways change all the time. Anyway... All right, guys, I'm going to see you on the other side in a few days for the next chapter. Take it easy. Chapter 3 November in Denver and November in Dallas were two entirely different beasts. In Denver, you could expect snow once a week, but light jacket weather most days. Dallas, on the other hand, was wet and cold and miserable, and there seemed no place to escape the misery. I got a stiff reminder of the weather as soon as I exited the DFW terminal and entered the open garage to wait for the rental car shuttle. A mist of cold humidity pressing against my face and neck, clammy like early morning fog. Vague memories of living here when I was young drifted in and out, going down to Austin and Lake Travis in the summer, out west to Big Bend for vacations. There were, at times, things to like about Texas and it's hard to say if I would have despised Dallas as much as I did if I'd come here for different reasons. Maybe if I weren't there to train the replacements for my co-workers, many of whom were friends, in Colorado because the company intended to shut all the satellite offices down and rehire everyone in Texas. Or maybe I wouldn't have despised the company so much if I could understand their reasoning. But their moves made zero sense to me. How many decades of knowledge were they going to let walk out the door for seemingly no reason? I could get worked into cold sweats just thinking about it. As I waited for the shuttle, the earbuds pumped calming music into my brain. I liked a little Josh Ritter or John Fulbright to ease into Texas slowly, and then something a little more upbeat to sweat to in the hotel exercise room after the workday. Travel always functioned better with a soundtrack. 
My phone buzzed, and I unlocked it to view a text from my aunt. We need to talk about your father. I locked the phone again and stared at my reflection in the black glass screen for a few seconds. Aunt Judy wanted to talk about Dad, but I had no desire to hear about that man. Whatever was going on with him, I didn't want to know about it or have anything to do with it. The anniversary of Mom's death was coming up next month. I always knew when it was coming, but that didn't stop me from feeling surprised at how sad I felt on the actual date. And why was I thinking of this now? Since I already had my phone out, I sent Grace a text to let her know I had arrived. Just one word, here. We didn't usually talk on the phone until nighttime. She knew I'd be busy at work, and I knew she hated to talk on the phone. Must have been the only woman I'd ever known who couldn't stand chit-chat. Straight to the point. I liked that about her. A man came to wait in line for the shuttle next to me, gabbing on the phone pressed against his ear. Couldn't help but overhear the whole conversation, and I turned down the music to get a better listen. His wife had apparently forgotten that the kid's soccer practice pickup schedule had changed for the playoffs, and now he was going to have to miss his poker game because of her mistake. How did parents manage to have any time for themselves? The shuttle arrived and I boarded while Kareem's warning flashed in my head. A bad man among the trainees. A catastrophic thing would happen if I met him. Why hadn't I made him be specific with me? Or maybe the whole idea was crazy, as if some IntelliCraft trainee was going to be the destroyer of worlds. I pulled open the glass front door of the office building in Las Colinas, a wealthy neighborhood in the town of Irving. Technically Irving, but everyone called it Dallas. The sprawling metropolitan city encompassed dozens of towns. Even though I'd been here half a dozen times over the last six months, my entrance didn't warrant even a head nod from most of the cube dwellers. I was an outsider. Unlike the office in Denver, their cubes were tall. Hardly any of them were decorated, no cute figurines atop the rims or funny posters thumbtacked to the sides. Pictures of family, little kids' drawings, but hardly any personality. So professional. So stuffy. Management was friendly because they wanted something from me. Less so since I'd turned them down, but they still glued smiles on their faces and asked about my wife and unborn child, slapped me on the back, invited me out to try real Texas barbecue, or commiserated with me about the heat or cold or humidity. I walked down to the third aisle of cubes and cut left, then headed toward the training room at the far end. No one here had standing or treadmill desks. I'd gotten used to seeing heads poking above cubicle walls in Colorado, but I guess the trend hadn't made its way here yet. The training room was empty, four long tables with workstations set up. Each of the workstations had a piece of paper folded in front with a name on each. Keisha, Martin, Darren, Paul. That was to be my boot camp training class this time. I spent 15 minutes catching up on my work email, and then Chief Operating Officer Wyatt Green poked his head in the room. Candle, good to see you made it. We're all running around like chickens with their damn heads cut off. Thanks, I'm just getting set up here. He walked across the room, a broad-shouldered man with a trunk like a beer barrel. He kept his arms out at his sides, and they didn't move or sway an inch as he walked. 
They seemed less like arms and more like snap-on attachments to his square body. He thrust his hand at me, and I shook. His grip was monstrous, and I always had to check myself for bruises after a Wyatt shake. Twelve years of judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu training had prepared me for all sorts of injuries and counter-moves, but there was nothing in any of my classes for management-overpowering handshake defense. Allison told me you came down on short notice. Appreciate that, he said. Sure, no problem. When you're done for the day, why don't you swing by my office? Got a couple things I'd like to run by you, you know. Throw them against the fridge and see if they stick. Shouldn't take but a few minutes. Will do, Wyatt. I knew exactly what he was going to say, and I knew exactly what I was going to say in return. But we still had to do the dance. He probably knew it too, but he was a determined son of a bitch. After Wyatt left, the trainees started filing into the room one by one. First, there was Martin. He looked barely out of college. Wispy mustache like Kareem's, dark skin tone, dead black eyes, but a big grin and a kind of goofy charisma. You must be Mr. Candle. They told us all about you yesterday. I'm sure none of it was true, I said. He laughed the way you're supposed to when someone higher up at the company makes a joke, but his excitement endeared me to him. Maybe the laugh was real after all. I was so used to them not being real. Martin took a seat, and in came Keisha with her tight braids and ample curves. She looked a little older than Martin, but still much younger than me. I hear you came down from Denver, she said. Cold up there, huh? I could tell right away that she was going to get great customer service responses to surveys. She had that smooth-as-silk voice that customers love to hear. It can be, but we still get plenty of sun, even in the winter. It's nice to meet you, she said as she took her seat and booted up her computer. Third through the door was Paul, a gaunt kid about the same age as Martin. Paul wore a smirk on his face, and I didn't like him immediately. Something about those kids who think the world owes them something. He was the kind of guy who could get laid in college without trying. He jabbed a hand into the air and I shook with him. Welcome to Dallas, he said. See, you've met Keisha and Martin. I sure have, I said. You can probably tell by looking at me that I'm the smart one in the group. Just finished with my MBA in the spring, so I'm ready to hit the ground running. I resisted the urge to ask him why the hell he was at an entry-level tech support job with an MBA. Well, I guess you're in the right place then, Paul. There's a lot of opportunity in IntelliCraft. I felt dirty talking up the company, but it seemed to make Paul's face glow. Yes, sir, he said as he took a seat at a workstation. I smiled at them, pretended I wasn't bitter about what their employer was doing to the company. I couldn't be mad at these kids, though. This wasn't their fault. But I still had to fake the smile anyway. Finally, the straggler of the group, Darren. He had jet-black hair and bushy eyebrows. When I saw him, the hair on the back of my neck stood at attention, but I couldn't say why. He walked right up to me, shoulder square. You must be Mr. Candle. His voice was like oozing tar, bass-heavy and slow. That's right. I'll be training you on the IntelliCraft design software over the next few days. Oh, yes, for sure. 
I'm really looking forward to it. I'm eager to find out where I fit. He smiled, but his brow remained cocked, and I got the sense he thought he knew something I didn't. Kareem's warning about a dangerous man rushed through my brain like a strobe light. But that was crazy. What in the world could this kid do? He held out his hand to shake, and for a split second, something told me not to do it. But it's not as if I could leave his hand there, hanging in space. I gripped his palm. His hand felt cold. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.